Hello, Jamie. How are we doing, mate? Very good, right? Yourself? I'm good, thanks, bro. You're another one of the people that I didn't think would say yes to doing this, but you did it. I don't know if it was a yes, but I agreed. <laughs> that, that's fair enough. Well, welcome, mate. Welcome, ladies and gents, to Talk To Me, the show where I get my friends to talk to me. Tonight, I have Jamie Manor. Mate, how's things going? How's lockdown treating you? Long. Feels like it's been going on forever. I've lost track. Yeah. Are we on week seven, eight? I've been, I've been saying week eight or nine for the last four <laughs> weeks. So that's about right. I've got no clue. Well, ladies and gents, if you don't know Jamie, Jamie is um, one of my good mates from church. Once again, he's a great designer. He's one of the leaders in our youth group. Um, and fun fact, he actually designed both logos for uh, have a chat with Ray and Stat and talk to me. Thanks for those, mate. Worries. Also, the two logos that you're wearing and the one I'm wearing. So, actually, I didn't do this one. This was you're just a good friend, Jackie. You're all about the logos, mate. I feel like three quarters of my clothing now is either designed by you or Jackie. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And by the way, it, I, it hasn't um, escaped my memory that I still owe you dinner for those two logos. So, oh, it escaped my memory. Well, well, I'm going to sort those out. Don't you worry. After this lockdown's finished, how is lockdown treating you? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm pretty busy. So work is, you know, keeping me occupied. But outside of that, I guess I don't get to do the things I would normally do, which are very, a lot of social interaction, engagements. So, you know, dinners, visiting people, those are off the cards at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's good to have a bit of downtime, but there's only so much downtime we can really enjoy. Yeah, I feel like everyone's done with the Netflix cues, man. I feel like everyone's just oh, ready to go back out. Definitely. I can't, I can't look at a screen at night after I've been on a screen all day for work. It's just, it's not it's not fun yeah it's full on but one thing you're doing that a lot of people are struggling to do is you've got like you're working out every day still i am training is probably the only thing keeping me sane right now it's the only time i move my body because once i get to my desk that's it i don't move for the rest of the day yeah so i like to do it in the morning to keep my routine going get my body get active so that was that's exactly what i was about to say mm -hmm. is you're freaky like that in that you still wake up about 6 a.m and train early morning. How do you have that motivation to do that while we're in lockdown? Well, if you know my normal routine, 6 a.m. is a bit of a sleep in. I'm usually up at about, you know, just before five. Mm -hmm. So now I'm getting up just after six. So I'm still keeping not my usual routine, but some kind of routine to keep me from, yeah, losing my mind, like from slipping into bad habits, like just sleeping in, being lazy. I want to keep some of my usual things in place. Does that keep your momentum going throughout the day? Yeah, for sure. It helps me like be able to focus on work, feel like I've achieved something. It's a good feeling. Yeah, nice. So, well, that, I think that's the hardest part is trying to keep yourself busy throughout the day and keep your mind moving because it's just so easy just to slip into a slump or I'll have that quick 10-minute nap and then just die out for the rest of it. Yeah, that's something I have to phase out. I was having pretty much lunch naps almost every day. I'd get into bed oh, for like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I stopped that a while ago though. I miss them, but... It's better not to like, look, sometimes you need it. It's, it's great that we have the access to it. Like, you know, you have the, you're right there and you're at the time, but it's definitely wasn't, I noticed it wasn't a good habit to have frequently because it did throw you off. makes it harder to get back into work after that. So. What, yeah. Well, you're hundred percent right. But what's the one thing you're looking forward to coming straight back into it? Like once we're allowed out of this thing, um, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most? Uh, the top priority well, the top two, I guess, would be seeing people I care about and going back to church. They're the two keenest. Yep. And then the next level down is going back to the office I'm pretty excited about and getting back into the gym. Getting so back they're in. kind of the four pillars. 
yeah, the four pillars of uh, going back to normal life. Pretty much. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. My, the gym for me separated my day so perfectly because I would go mid-morning, like just before lunch. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but I'd also go early morning as well. So it would force me to wake up early, do some work, and then go back. I sort of missed that. <laughs> I don't know. But um, speaking of church, you're in Epic. Wearing that right there. You're in right. Epic. You've been in Epic for how long now? Ooh, so Mark and I were talking about this the other day. Um, he asked me to come to camp just as a helper back in, excuse me, I think it was 2015 for the 2016 camp in January. Mm-hmm. And then it was probably probably within that year I ended up becoming a leader and then I've been involved since then. So it's been, what, four, five, what five six you, years maybe. Five, six, hold on, did you say that was the 2015 camp? I'm bad, yeah? I'm bad at maths. In, no, sorry, he asked me to come to the 2016 January camp. So sometime in 2015 he asked me. Okay. All right, so it was the year after I broke my thumb then. You weren't around for that. I wasn't at that camp. I, I was actually never at a camp prior to being a leader because I was always too old when they started. Okay, so you missed out on the whole experience. Yeah, I came straight in as a leader. Okay, how did it feel coming in straight in as a leader? I felt like an outsider because it was such a new camp. I came to, I think it was the third one, so I missed the first two. So everyone knew, you know, how what the go is, all the routines. Um, what's that thing you guys? The, uh, the roll call. Random roll call. Everyone was so familiar with all these things. And I was just coming in, you know, young, scared, didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't even interested in being an epic up to that point. Mark kind of just threw me in the deep end. Yeah. What was your thought process when he approached you about it? Again, we talked about this the other day and I said to him, I remember him coming up to me on a Friday night. I think I was in Bible club. He was in the basketball court and asked me if I would just consider and pray about coming to camp as a, as a helper. And then I, remember going, I was on the way to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom and I washed my face. I was staring at myself in the mirror thinking, what am I going to do at Epic Camp? Like, what do I know about teenagers? I was probably 22 or three at the time. And I just, I didn't really have an interest. I didn't feel called at that time. But as I did pray about it leading up to the camp, um, I did. I did feel like that's what God wanted me to do. And then, ever, you know, I went to that camp and the rest is history. It's one of my favorite. How long, was the, um, how long was the time period between him asking you and camp? Okay, I can't remember that much detail. I don't know when it was, but it would have been a, like at least three to four months prior to the camp because we've got a lot of prep to do before each camp each year. Yeah, okay. So that's most people know. That's a decent amount of time, but it's still not a lot of time if you think about it. If anyone's ever organized a camp like that, it's yeah. pretty quick. It is a lot of work. But look, I was only help us. I wasn't that involved in preparing the camp. He wanted me more there just to help out, which is what I did for the first two camps. Okay, fair enough. But... What's interesting is you didn't want to do it from the start. You didn't feel like teens were your avenue, but Epic and a youth type of ministry is normally the go-to for any young person. Like that's the one that calls them the most. What was it about it that wanted you wanted to stay clear of? Oh, I think you know me pretty well. I'm not the average young person. <laughs> and I don't know. I just wasn't drawn to the whole youth vibe, teenagers, the high school experience. I didn't like, I didn't have a problem with high school. I didn't hate it, but I didn't, you know, I'm not one of those people that reminisces and says, I wish I could go back to school. It's, it's well, just, were, you, know, were you always older than high school? No, no, I'm saying I did enjoy it, but I wasn't obsessed. You know, people that peaked in high school and they, you know. Yeah, they, they're constantly. name anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but you hear them going about it all the time. Like high school, this, high school, that was the best time of my life. I'm like, I enjoyed it. But like, you know, it's not the best thing ever. Yeah, I was so really I never wanted fun. to re-experience that or anything. Yeah, fair enough. But did you feel like it was a re-experience jumping back, jumping into Epic? 
No, not from not from the position I was going in there as, I guess. And I didn't realise that. That's why once I did realise what my role would be, uh, to obviously not be a high schooler, I enjoyed having that uh, relationship so that with the first, teens. So that first year, you're just the helper. You're not doing much else. You're just doing the odd jobs? Pretty much. I was just the runaround errand boy. Okay. And then when does that turn into you moving into a position in Epic as a uh, full-time helper leader? Yeah, so like I said, after that camp during the year, Mark asked me to step in as a full-time leader, which I got to get some more exposure with events and, you know, weekly Friday nights. And then we had one more camp where I helped out. And mind you, through these couple first couple of camps, a lot of things were happening at church. We lost a lot of people and a lot of leaders. So by my third camp, all the people that I had helped were gone. And it was kind of on me to pick it up and do something awesome for this camp. And that was when I did the Massive Paint Day, okay. if you remember that one. I wasn't there for that one. Are you kidding? No. No, I wasn't there for that one. I thought I had photos of you there. Pretty sure I wasn't. Surely with the white t-shirts. No. No, maybe I was. I think I'm thinking of the wrong year. Is that the one where we took the massive photo against the fence? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Then yeah, yeah, I was at that one. I'm sure you were there. I think that might have been my last. I I pretty much organized a massive paint day where we had like liquid paint and powder paint. Everyone got an epic camp t-shirt in white. And we just like smashed it with paint. I don't know if you want to yes. so should probably post some photos attached I, to this. Yeah, podcast. I do remember that now. I do remember that now because as soon as I took it home, I washed the shirt and all the paint went off it. Well, I had to use non-toxic paint for the teens, which there's a big argument about. Everyone teased me. But if you wanted it to stay on the white, you had to use toxic paint, which you just couldn't do. So so you heard, see, you heard it here first, ladies and gents. Toxics are good. Toxic. That's not what I said. <laughs> I don't think that's what I said. Hey, we can make you say anything on this thing. That's the, that's the great part about it. <laughs> so what's it feel like getting that pressure put onto you then? I mean, you've got a bunch of leaders moving on and it sort of all falls onto you. How does that sort of feel at that point? Look, obviously, thank God, we still had an awesome leadership team. It was just the senior leaders that had gone that I had to kind of fill in for. So I had, like I was a helper earlier, I had awesome people under me. So we made a good team ourselves and we just stepped up and we just said, look, it's not going to be, we're not going to try and replace the people that are gone, but we just want to make something awesome mm. without them there. And I feel like we achieved that. And every year now is pressure on myself to kind of step it up each time and make something awesome, but not the same as the year before. So we've tried to do different events and different um, activities. That's the two-edged sword of it, to be honest. Exactly. But it still is a lot of pressure, right? I mean, you're what, 25 at that point? Uh, by then, yeah, probably about that. So you're a 25-year-old bloke who's sort of got a whole camp on his shoulders in some of the activity side of things. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's massive. That's a huge sort of step up. How do you process that mentally? I'm not even talking about at camp, leading up to camp, because I know what it's like to sort of take a big load and try to think, wait, am I the right guy for this job? Am I doing the right thing here? What if it fails miserably? Okay. For starters, taking off massive pressure was Mark being the best ultimate leader because anytime I doubted myself or I stressed, he would just reassure me, you got this, just follow your gut, do what you're thinking. And he would always back me on the idea and, you know, budgets, resources, whatever I needed, he would would clear it up with me. And again, the team um, I had around me, I'm going to give a special shout out to Joelle, who I think you had, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. She's always my, my um, epic camp rock. We rock together. Okay, sure. I like a good pun. Well done. Well done. That's good. So, so then it just keeps progressing. And I mean, every camp gets bigger, but 
you're no longer at that point just involved in camps. You're involved in the whole year's worth of Epic. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So I was in the part of the regular leader, part regular routine. Uh, I think it was my first camp. Yeah, the first camp I was at, Mark spontaneously asked me to share my testimony, okay. which was, uh, you know, not scary. But like, again, I, had, I hadn't spoken to teens at this point ever. So it was my first time talking to them naturally. And I shared some pretty personal things. And I'll, I'll give you a bit of a One of the key things I gave them that day that I had never shared publicly is that when my brother, a lot of people know my brother passed away back in January 2013, Johnny. I told the teens that when he was really sick, I pretty much shook my fist at God and told him if he took my brother away from me, that was it. I was out. I didn't want anything to do with him, church, nothing. And then when it all happened and the way he passed and the peace he had and what he said to us, it just had, all had the opposite effect of me on me, sorry. And it that's what kind of my turning point in my faith where I just gave everything to God and I just wanted him to serve him. And I guess that, you know, being a couple of years before Mark asked me to be an Epic, this was all stepping stones. And Johnny was like, look, I have two other great older brothers, Danny and Timmy, but Johnny was always the ultimate older brother to me. We had a really good connection and he always looked after me so well. Mm-hmm. So I think getting into Epic gave me the opportunity to be like an older brother to some of these teens that God had put up in our ministry. So that's a bit of a backstory there. Yeah, wow. So that really just steps you into it and helps you to progress in that mm, yeah so so like i said i shared that testimony with them at my first camp and then it wasn't for a while mark was didn't put any pressure on me but eventually he wanted me to speak on a normal friday night in epic um and it took me a long time to prepare um i can't remember what i spoke about i think it was faithfulness i've got my notes back somewhere but this was again a few years ago and i spoke and i talk really fast i'm trying to control myself right now but um, that night I spoke extra fast. I was nervous. I was stressed. I was sweating. Um, but then Mark gave me a break, but eventually he got me to speak again. And since then I've probably done, I don't know, maybe 10 give or take talks on a Friday night. But now that I've gotten comfortable with the teens, I'm able to like speak more conversationally rather than monologuing at them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just gotten really comfortable with it. And I love it. It still stresses me out. I don't like preparing. It takes me a while, but I love connecting with them and being able to share different um topics and things with them yeah that's awesome jamie just so you know man um your camera's sort of frozen um it froze through a lot of that and i was hoping that it would come back but it didn't so how much do you reckon we lost uh we lost probably five minutes but what i can do is just chuck in a um a photo of you so if you want to just oh, okay if you so want audio is okay audio is absolutely fine oh awesome all right um, no worries i can send lost, you whatever you need yeah we we lost the video um but if you're cool to keep going, we can just do that. That's like, fine. I look the same. I'm just sitting here. Nothing's yeah. changing. <laughs> Your video is just gone. You just leave, just leave the frozen picture. Right. Uh, it's so, it's weird. I'm trying to look at you while you're talking, but you're just looking in one direction. It's like, okay, I don't know what to do here. Where do I look now? Um, but let's keep it going. So I like that because I know you and public speaking or sharing um messages and devotions they're not your your strongest suit that's not where most of your um your talent comes from how do you find yourself moving into that um and how daunting is it now compared to back then um yeah so it's not as daunting now i have gotten a lot more comfortable with it definitely compared to back then and like you said it's not my forte i'm a background ministry worker i like helping setting things up those kinds of things but at the same time God has given me these challenges and I've, and I've enjoyed them. Like 
we're not going to all love everything we do. Mm-hmm. And I don't love the speaking part of it, but I do really enjoy the preparing and especially like coming up with points that I, I know are going to hit home, especially with teams. Yeah, 100%. Do you find yourself, uh, it's a cliche question, but I'm going to ask it. Do you find yourself um, learning more doing it that way? 100%. It's true what they say. When you're preparing a lesson, you learn more than what you share. Because as much as, uh, what's the, the statistics for it? There's a certain percentage that you remember of what you read, a certain percentage of what you hear, and then a certain percentage of what you hear, uh, see, sorry. So I'm, what they all I'm are. pretty sure it's 10% of what you hear, 20% of what you, uh, of what you read. Uh, I think it's 50% of what you see and then another 50 of what you do. Yeah, that's right. Do. So there's those things. But my point is from like, from them we hearing that, they, oh yeah. Has there it gone go. that long? Yeah. Finally. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. From um, yeah. Yeah, so they remember a certain percentage of what they hear from me, but I remember everything I prepared. So I'm getting so much more out of it than they are. But I just hope they're still getting something. And how do you find your relationship with the teens now? Well, how do you keep um, keep those relationships growing with the teens um, so that you can be an influence in their life? Well, usually we have, you know, our regular routine services. I'll get to see them on Sunday morning, some of them at night. And then by Friday nights, we have our, you know, our epic group where we're in a room get to speak to them, do some games, have some fun. But COVID's really messed that up for us. So I haven't actually, we have a really good um, WhatsApp chat with the teens where we get to interact with them a bit, but it's not the same as seeing them. So I feel like I haven't connected with a lot of them in a while. Yeah, this is really hard, eh? This whole COVID situation. It's really put a dampener on a lot of the things that we do. Yeah, Um, Okay, so Epic is running pretty strong. You're pretty happy with how things are sort of going for the most part, COVID unrelated. Yeah. Well, even in COVID, we've picked up what we did last year where we do um, Zooms on Friday nights. And again, I did a couple of talks last year on Zoom. I hated it because I feel like I was talking into a void where you have no feedback. You can't even see some of their faces because they don't want to put their camera on. But we've done that again this year and I've actually been more comfortable. I did a talk a couple of weeks back and I feel like I was able to get a bit more engagement. And it's the best we can do. We try to do some games on there just as much as we can do to still be able to connect with the teams in this situation but outside of it yeah back in the room we had a great vibe going we had a full room again and it was it was awesome what do you find the biggest challenge to be in um, a youth ministry that's a that's a loaded question that's a very loaded question. i don't know where to go with that came out of nowhere but like if someone's trying to come into youth ministry or someone wants to be a part of a youth ministry what's your one thing that you're telling them not as a warning, but just so that they're prepared. Look, you're going to come in here and. There's always eyes on you. Mm, okay. And you'd think that it's just the teens and they are definitely on you. But I kind of think everyone kind of has, there's that added pressure. because it's such an important ministry and there's such a, um, what's the word? Not fragile. Like it's a foundational time for these guys. Because once I step out of Epic, they're adults and they're in the real world. And that's when it's on them to make decisions for the rest of their life, what they want to do. So we're shaping that. And so you have their parents watching you to see what their kids are seeing because they're looking up to us. So you've got their parents, you have obviously pastor, you have other leaders, and then everyone in the church kind of thing. Because there's a, there's basically a spotlight on us to see the life that we're putting on in front of these teens, I feel. Yeah, 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head there, man. That is um probably the hardest thing about being in ministry in general is constantly having to be that testimony and to be that example. 
um, because I think sometimes we underestimate how much our personal lives can impact someone. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either. No, not at all. No, it's, it's a, almost a good pressure. Yeah. It's a great pressure. It just it keeps shows, you accountable. It keeps you accountable and it shows the responsibility on your shoulders. Mm. For sure. And how seriously you take that. Yeah. So team coming out of Epic, okay? They come out of Epic, spend a couple of years in Elevate and in church. How do you help them? What's the advice you'd give them to finding their ministry or finding where God leads them? Because God didn't lead you into Epic until you were 23, right? Mm. So what are you telling them to do? What are you telling them to look out for? I guess my initial advice would be to do something. I kind of, I, I really don't like the lazy cop out of, oh, God hasn't shown me what to do, so I'm not doing anything. If you're not going to throw yourself into something or, or just give yourself something, you're not going to find what it is. Obviously, speak to him, read his word and pray about it. But I feel like it's not enough. You've got to just jump into some kind of ministry that maybe not necessarily appeals to you, but something you can see yourself doing. And then if it's not the right one, God will take you out of it. But at least you're in something. So for me, it was, um, I think my first ministry was actually nursery. And again, I, what do I, I didn't even have nephews or nieces yet back then. But um, someone asked me to jump in and I did. And I actually loved it. And I did that for years, but from that, it led me to Bible Club, which again, I did for years. And then that eventually led to Epic. So I've kind of been through all the different kids' ministries in the church, not even being a kid guy, but now I guess I am. Yeah, it's funny how God really changes the type of person that you thought you were. Um, for sure. And there's that old, um, there's that verse that says, you know, be trusted with the little things and he'll trust you with the bigger things. And it looks like you did that. Um, so... Did you go through Epic, like as a teenager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I actually know what it started when I was in about year nine, I think. It started in two thousand seven. Okay. So um, yep. yeah, I got half it. But back then, this is when we were in Chester Hill, and we didn't have a room to meet in every Friday. Mm-hmm. So Epic was pretty much once a month event where we do an activity, have a devotion, and that was about it. It so wasn't what it is today. Was your last year twenty ten? Yeah, that's when I graduated. Okay, that was my first year. I was trying to figure out. We where- had just moved into church then, right? Yeah. To the, the Regents Park building, yeah. Yeah, that was our first year. So so we kind of started regular Fridays as I left. As you were leaving. And how'd you become a Christian? How'd you get saved? Let's take it all the way back. Yeah, really far back. Okay, yeah, so I was, born, I was born in a Christian home. Um, my uncle was actually the pastor back when I was born. So that's my mom's brother. Anyway, outside of that, um, all my family were pretty much within the church at that time. And I specifically remember being really young on my cousin Joanne's balcony and we're sitting there just coloring in, doing our thing. I know what kids do. And I don't know what age I was, probably four or five. And I remember her asking me if I'd ever asked Jesus to save me. And I was like, I'm like, oh, you know, later, like, you've been too young to think about that. Let's just do what we're doing. And she's like, no, Jamie, it's serious because you need to decide for yourself. Just being in a Christian family doesn't do it for you. So I remember we stopped and we prayed together and I accepted Christ then. And again, I don't remember all the details of when it was. We're all five years old. Yeah. And I remember going inside and telling our parents and they kind of brushed me off like I didn't understand. And I was like really excited, but no one cared. And then from there, I, I don't know if it was my age or their reaction. Years on, I doubted that salvation a lot. So I remember praying um, for salvation several times, often at night, especially like after, you know, Friday, you know, Bible club. And mom would pray with me, but she always tell me, 
if you've meant it, you only need to say it once. Mm. So eventually there was a point where I remember just praying with her one last time and saying, that's it, I'm sure. I don't need to keep doing this. So again, I was still young at that time. But then in, I think it was 06 or 07, we went to a Melbourne conference, it was an NBF, and that was when I um, dedicated my life to Christ. And again, I was still in high school. I still had some ups and downs. And then again, uh, I mentioned earlier when my brother Johnny passed, that was my turning point where I just threw myself into ministry and gave my gave everything to God. So that's, that's kind of like a, a running history of my my life story and my relationship with Christ. And that's sort of beautiful. I mean, first off, you've got a four-year-old talking to another four-year-old about Jesus. That is that's unreal. That's awesome. Um, but then you sort of stick with it the entire time. And the, the turning point of your life that is meant to be the point where you turn away from God or what you intended it to be was the turning mm. point that brought you closer to him and sort of made you go all out for him. Do you look back at that moment and sort of freak out a bit? Over yeah, because like I told you, I you know threatened God to walk away from him. And if that happened, my life would have turned out so differently. I don't know where I'd be now. Yeah, that, that's insane. That, that's just, that's mind-blowing to me, to be honest. I, I didn't even know that. Um, so you grow up in the church. That, that side of your life is sort of pretty much set, not in stone, but it's sort of set now because you're, you're doing your thing. You're in Epic. You're in ministry. But then you got your outside life. What's the one thing that you sort of go to straight away for, I guess, relief or just to get your mind off everything? Um, I guess I used to be a big movie guy. I used to watch a lot of TV, love movies. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of, I've changed a lot through my twenties. I'm 28 now. So, you know, almost out of them. My interests have changed a lot. Sorry. You're old, bro. Yeah. Thanks. Um, (laughs) We lost lost your picture again. So you're just staring dead, dead at us right now. Well, that's okay. That's right. We'll we'll throw in a filler (laughs) picture, but um, yeah. So my interests have kind of shifted throughout my twenties, but um, I was never, you know, you know me, I've always hated sport. That is the one thing about me that has never changed and still hasn't changed. But, um, I was always the chubby kid in school. So I was kind of on and off trying to go to the gym, trying to get fit. But when I finished school, I was probably at my heaviest and I just got into running. I just ran and ran and I lost a lot of weight that way. But I never had any strength. And if you know my brothers, my brother Tim plays football and he's huge. Like he's very, very strong. Yeah, you come from probably the most sporty athletic family there is. Yeah, which is the irony of me hating sport, which is not lost on anyone, especially me. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I started kind of doing a bit of light training on my own a few years back, just trying to get a little bit fitter. And then it wasn't until I started work at this job I'm in now in the city a couple of years back, I started looking up boot camps in the city to do something different leading up summer, you know, is it summer shredding, summer board? Um, and then I thought, uh, I don't know if I want to go all the way to the city to train in the cold. Maybe I'll just look for a boot camp around my area. I started Googling boot camps and then, this CrossFit gym came up. So I just put in my details and then I got a call like the next day to say, come and try it out. I came in for a trial session and I was pretty much hooked on the spot. I went back a couple of mornings later and um, signed up. And then that's kind of been my fitness outlet since then. I'm not, not great at it, but I've been enjoying it. Okay. Uh, I'd beg to differ not being great at it. How, what hooked you? What was it? I can't even put my finger on it. It was a good community, good atmosphere. And it was something I hadn't done. Okay. It was training, but it was like, it was more fun. It wasn't just getting in there, doing a set, doing a thing and then walking out. Also, I'm not, I don't like talking to people at the gym. 
I had never made, spoken to anyone at the normal gym I used to go to. It's coming in here, being forced to talk to people. I think I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of going to the gym is the uh, social side of it. Um, probably doesn't sound great saying that on camera. Um, but okay, so you get, you, in, it. you get into it, you start killing CrossFit. Um, is there a competitive side to you in doing it? I am low-key competitive. I don't talk about it because I hate that about myself. Uh-huh. But um, what I do like about me doing it is that I find I'm competing with myself most. I don't really pit myself against people much unless we're doing an actual competition. Yep. But just regular training, I'm always trying to beat either a previous, you know, best I've done or just push as hard as I can to know that I gave it my all. Okay. But between so I us, kind of try to channel, channel it that way. But between us, you're competing with everyone else in the room, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not admitting to that. Okay, I'm just maybe, saying. Maybe my brother Danny, but that's about it. <laughs> so how long have you been going there, did you say? Two years now? Uh, it's two years next month, yeah. Which okay. I've lost half of it because of COVID, but I'm still training at home. Yeah. What is it about the CrossFit style of training that gets you? Because it's very, very different. I mean, if anyone trains, anyone goes to the gym, that you know the different types of training. And this is just another, I don't mm. know, it's very complex. I like, it's A, it's varied. So there's like, there's so many different things involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually love the gymnastics side of it. And okay. me being a really big frame, it's not, you know, I couldn't really do gymnastics, but I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm being able to do the things involved in CrossFit. But um, I'm actually drawn to the gymnastics side of it. And again, I love, I, I weightlifting is probably the least of my interest. I love cardio and I love gymnastics. Weightlifting, I just do it because my body's built for it. Yeah, I swear. You probably, it feels like a bit of a waste. Mate, you've got the most genetic body there is for that sort of stuff. Um, okay, but if you've got all this competitiveness about you and you've finally found an outlet to release that competitiveness, how are you still not into sport? I guess it's the loaded question. Technically, CrossFit is a sport, so I guess yeah. I am now, but I still say I'm not because I still hate going to the footy. I don't enjoy, I don't know, tennis, soccer. Not, like, it just doesn't – it's not fun for me. So that, that intrigues me like crazy because we'll sit down and watch a full-on documentary about the CrossFit games and follow all these competitors, but somehow you can't translate that to a normal team sport. Yeah, I can't explain it to you. I guess at the end of the day, I am still a bit of a movie guy. I'd rather sit and watch a series or a movie than watch sport. No, fair enough. Hey, is what it is. So what, what is it? You love going to CrossFit and CrossFit sort of become your thing now in regards to the fitness side of things. What do you love about taking someone with you who's never experienced it? Uh, <laughs> I am known at my gym to be the guy that always has a visitor on Saturdays. And I have a list in my phone of everyone I brought uh, with a date. It's just a funny little bookmark I have. But um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, there's a couple of things I love about bringing people. A, I like introducing them to my crew because, yep. you know, like we're really close and they always love meeting different people in my life. But then the other half I enjoy is watching them die. I have to admit it. I'm going to say it out loud. <laughs> You've been there. You know what it's like. I know exactly what it's like. And when I showed up, mate, can I tell you, I didn't know what to expect. Like, <laughs> All the people that had gone before me, by the way, uh, on your crew, some of the nicest people you ever meet, but I rock up, I rock up and I don't know what to think. I remember the night before thinking to myself, but I'm going to die tomorrow. Like this is just full on. Um, Cause the amount that people had hyped it up to me, I was just sort of like, okay, I'm, 
I'm stuffed. But you were, you just kept telling me, no, you'll be fine. You train regularly. You'll be sweet. And so when we got into it, I was sort of like, okay, all right, I'm getting it. It wasn't easy. No chance at all. But I was sort of like, all right, like this is just good training. The difference that I found was it's just so complex. You guys are mixing movements together mm. in such different ways. And that's what I think fatigues the body the most is some of these combos are just ridiculous and um, your rep ranges uh, another level as well. Yeah, but I remember you did do very well because I didn't expect you to. And we did a partner award where you actually kept up pretty well. And I've had some people visit and I have to do a partner award and I'm carrying it, I die. But um, you held your own pretty well. There's a, well, listen, first off, I was hoping to get that on film. So now I can clip that out. Very happy there. <laughs> um, but second, there's a specific story um, about someone that you had to carry the whole way through that makes me laugh entirely. Listen, I'm just saying you could name and shame them. Be pretty funny. If not. Look, again, I've had a lot of people visit. <laughs> I've had a lot of partner awards with visitors. And there was one guy and one girl that stood out. I, I, I'm not going to name them, but I'll okay. just say that. What goes through your head when they are failing this partner award and they're leaving it all on you? You'd think, exactly. You'd think I'd be laughing, but really I'm dying inside because I've got to pick up the load and that, yeah, it, it hurts. <laughs> How much regret goes through your system at that point? A lot. Like the enjoyment of watching them die turns into regret of having to, having to do their work. What do you think it takes? What do you think it takes to be not a CrossFit trainer, but just a trainer in general, someone that really wants to put their mind, body, and soul into it? Oh, I don't know about that much, but basically commitment. Like, you don't, people think I have to come fit already to come train at a CrossFit gym. I'm like, you just got to come keen. You can do scaled versions. People come for years and just do scaled options. You don't need to be a hero doing RX and RX plus. So really anyone can do it. All you have to be is committed to, to like, and if you want to be good at it, just committed to being, learning the movements. Like you said, they are pretty complex. There's some things, a couple of things I still can't do. Handstand walk is like my, my mission one day. That's your gem. That's what you're, you're pushing for. Yeah. Well, it was muscle ups, but I finally got that. Um, so now it's, yeah, the handstand walks what I want. Yeah. I think They're always, and it's cool. There's always things that you can aim for. I see that. I really like, I like that there's always challenges in place or targets to hit. Um, and I think that's what I love about the gym the most is always trying to find a different challenge or a different target. Um, but I think you're hundred percent right in that. The one thing that stops people from going to the gym is being intimidated by it and being intimidated by the mm. whole scene just in general. And you know what? That's probably another thing that drew me that got me hooked straight away is that I didn't feel intimidated. Everyone was like super chill, super welcoming. Didn't make you feel I don't know, lesser than, like not fit enough or not, you didn't know, like a stranger kind of thing. Yeah, but I, I always equate walking into a gym like walking into a church. It's one of the most intimidating, intimidating things you can do the first time around. Like but just, I guess that's walking into any place where you're a stranger. Yeah. You're always going to have that feeling. 100%. Especially when everyone knows each other except you. You're always going to feel kind of yeah. left out. Yeah, 100%. But I think it's weird. I, I've walked into a, a couple of different gyms for the first time and just looking around, you're automatically judging yourself against everyone else when you shouldn't be. And you know, yeah, you're right. And sometimes you're the only one doing it. They're not judging you. It's you that's judging you. Yeah, 100%. No one's even noticing you. Like if you exactly. really think about it. Yeah, exactly. No one even cares that you're there. Like you don't stand out as much as you think. 
but it's just kind of getting your head. So what's your challenge right now? What are you trying to reach in regards to that? How do you mean? Gym-wise. Like, what's what's your current goal? What's your current challenge? Uh, top, yeah, my goal is the handstand walk and then just everything else, just getting fit out, getting stronger. Endurance, that's what I'm kind of focusing on at home. I'm not doing, obviously, I don't have access to do, uh, a lot of movements. I'm just focusing on staying, like, to being able to do a long workout without dying. So that's kind of my weakness. I'll gas myself pretty quick and then I'm just kind of on the floor, dead pretty quick. Okay, so endurance now. Yeah, I want to hold out longer. I'll be able to, like, keep up a pace, keep up a movement for a certain amount of time, whatever. So just setting myself challenges like that. Yeah, I like that. I always say, you know, someone is a training person once they hit that stage of, it's no longer about getting bigger. It's no longer about getting smaller. It's just about maintaining and seeing how far you can push it. Oh, get bigger and smaller. I could always, you know, use dropping a few <laughs> kilos, but uh, my food does not allow that. <laughs> listen, everyone can drop a couple of kilos, mate. Don't you worry. That's true. Especially this lockdown gut that was starting to form. It's um, not it's pretty so good not pretty well but jamie last question for you man i give you a time machine i tell you to travel back 10 years that's 18 year old jamie what are you telling him what's your one piece of advice for him Ooh. one piece or could be seven doesn't really matter but like what no, you- no, 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 no i'm just thinking i'm thinking about like being 18 again that's a, that's a, a long time ago right? thanks for reminding me no nah, no um right. My mind goes to two key things when I was 18. A, my course of study is I question whether I'd do the same thing or if I would have maybe taken a different road. Because as much as I love design, I don't think I'll do it forever. So going back to being 18, maybe I would have started with something different. But at the same time, I don't regret it. So maybe I would have still done it. And then the other key thing was I had a couple of years after Johnny. So I'd know what I would have done different in that regard. Maybe just spend more time with him. Maybe knowing what I know now, maybe would have backed him if he didn't want to do chemo. Because there's a lot of people that go through cancer now that, you know, don't want that route because they don't want to end their life going through that torment. Cause there's, you know, it's not the super high success rate. So if he didn't want to do that, which I think was an option at the time, I totally would have had his back. Wow. That's, that's deep, bro. That's deep. Going back 10 years, man. Very different stuff. It's uh, interesting to see. Well, mate, thank you so much for doing this with us, bro. Appreciate it. Now, my pleasure. Where can the people find you online? Where can they follow you? All that stuff. Uh, I guess I'm not huge on social media. All I've got is Instagram. So it's just Jamie Manor. Um, it's mostly for my de- design work. So I've got a lot of, I have a business, Kudos Creative Co. Uh, that I do some freelance work through. So that's where you can find me there if you need any logos, I guess, or anything done like that. Well, ladies and gents, make sure that you do follow Jamie on Instagram. Also, if you need any design work done whatsoever, he's the guy to go to. He is phenomenal. He's done a lot of uh, quote-unquote favors for me in the past. And um, I think he gets angry with every new project that I have coming up because he's uh, he's my first go-to. Trust me, he's great. Jamie, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Ladies and gents, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel, like and subscribe to the video, share it around, get more people talking. Let us know who you want us to talk to next. Jamie, thanks for talking to me. Cheers, thanks for having me.